You're listening to a resource from Alpine Bible Church. Alpine Bible Church exists to know Christ Jesus together and to make Him known. We are located in Sugar Creek, Ohio. For more information, visit our website at alpinebible.org. May Jesus be glorified in your life. There. How's that? They're all panicking up there, so I... <clears throat> it's exciting to, uh, uh, as a church, just see that uh, there are folks processing Christ and uh, want to make him a priority in their life. And uh, it was mentioned about in the day that we live in, and... Uh, it certainly is a tough time to live. It's getting tougher and tougher for especially kids, uh, going to school, dealing with uh, education and all the issues that are going on there, watching a culture around us. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm trying not to watch the news. It's just too depressing. Don't want to bother with it. Plus, it's, half of it's not real, so you just don't want to watch it anymore. What is real is what's happening right now, right in this building. If you're here as a visitor today, you're watching God working in people's lives, and that's not something that we arm twist to happen here. Uh, it's something that, as you heard uh, one uh, a Jackie mention in her testimony, that uh, no one's coercing me to do this. I'm doing this on my own. And I think that was true for all of them. And uh, that's what's exciting when God's working in your life. And we keep saying uh, from up here, if God's working in your life, how can you be silent? Something has to happen. So we're thrilled about that. Now, we're kind of in a series, and I'm just going to try to wing through this series this morning a bit. Uh, I'm in First Thess- First Thessalonians chapter 5. We were talking about the issue last time together that believers in Christ, even back in this day, this uh, early church, were uh, fearful that they had missed out on the Lord's return. They had heard that he would come at any time. And uh, life there was tough. We think it's tough here. Life uh, in this first century church was very difficult. Persecution of Christians was huge. Uh, people didn't know if they would be, uh, uh, if their home wouldn't be uh, uh, invaded by military and drug off. Uh, Christians were under a, a major persecution at this time. So there was a fear uh, that they were already in the tribulation. There was a fear that this was the end of the world. And so they uh, raised this issue. So Paul addressed them in verse 1 in chapter 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. So we made that clear that it has not come yet. When people say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them. And then he talks about labor pains and uh, in a similar way. It, it will escalate to that degree. Uh, 
But he says, but you, brothers, you're not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Talking to Christians, he's saying, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. He's just saying, in a culture that, uh, just like what we live in today, there is a drowsiness about eternal things. People are not thinking about heaven or hell, for that matter, much, uh, unless you engage them in a conversation. Most folks are not thinking about that, unless they're at a funeral, and they might be thinking about that. Uh, People aren't uh, concerned about their eternal destiny until something goes wrong. And I've been at many funerals where suddenly somebody who is cynical to Christianity becomes very uh, uniquely interested when life's not going well. But it usually takes something like that to shake people up. And so Paul's just saying that we're not, we're not of that crowd. He says, you're all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the night or of darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night, of course. And those who get drunk are drunk usually at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of, a breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. In other words, our life is based upon uh, what it means to be saved. We talk about salvation here. That when a person gives their life to the one who died for them, what we demonstrated in baptism, that they become saved as they place their faith in him. Saved from what? Saved from uh, the effect of sin on their life. Sin's ultimate uh, work in all human beings is to keep us from the truth, keep us in darkness, uh, hold us hostage to what is not true. And as a result of that, hopefully, sin wants as the end result that you wind up uh, not following God because it's all about Satan hating God. It's all about Satan jealous of God. So uh, Satan, who's the author of sin, uh, is the one who's trying to keep us from following God. It's his vendetta against the eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. So if he can keep you from following him, he thinks he's won a battle. If he can keep you blinded or cynical or critical of Christianity, then he's sort of winning in your life, if nothing else. So these folks today were demonstrating victory, being set free from that uh, hold on their life, right? So as Paul's talking here, he just reminds them then that in verse 9, for God did not appoint us, that is those who are believers in Christ, he did not appoint us to wrath, that word means judgment, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, he says to the believer, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So as a church, we comfort one another with truth. We want to uh, encourage one another with uh, what Christ has done in our life, the truth that we read this week that has encouraged us And we want to stimulate that in those around us. So uh, when Jackie says she she sometimes battles with depression, well, many of us do, don't we? Let's be honest. But what keeps us from going down in that hole too deep is the living truth of Jesus Christ that raises us back up and gives us hope. And so sometimes a fellow believer has to encourage another believer. So when we see someone down, struggling, uh, at issue with something, we hopefully would come alongside of them. 
And that's the beauty of that. And uh, many have done that in my life, and some have done that in your life. And you should be very thankful for that. Now, Paul's building up to something here because he's talking about, he's trying to help these folks know they're not at the last day yet. But he does say that they should comfort one another with these words. And then he's going to go on and he's going to give them some exhortations, some wise exhortations to the church in light of the discussion about the end times, the day of the Lord. So he says this, and we urge you, I'm in verse 12 now, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, to recognize those who labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now, why would he even bring this up, talking to a church that is fearing that they're in the last days, and then he wants to you know, calm them down, which he's done, and reminding them that they're not under judgment. And then he turns to this next subject of really, I could call it leadership. If I was at a pastor's conference, if I was teaching a seminar on leadership, I would use this as a springboard for that topic. Uh, So he talks about, uh, uh, we urge you to recognize, there's two key words here, to recognize, and then verse 13, esteem. Recognize those who, and then he has three words here for what we're going to talk about right now. Recognize those who labor. There's the first one. Recognize those who are over you. That means uh, those who lead. And then recognize those who admonish you, those who instruct. So there's three levels here that he's talking about, and he's saying how important this is. And I never thought this was that important sometimes in my past. I never thought this text would, you know, I always wondered why is this so important that he puts it here. And I've come to the reason that that as I look at the culture today around us, I'm starting to understand even more so why this is so important. The corrosion of leadership in the church is a wretched thing today. Uh, And it's not just pastors who are falling off the wagon and living lives their own way, but it's many in the church And a key issue that I want to say to Alpine today, which is a key blessing, is that God has, uh, and we've always said this, uh, God has not brought to us many highly talented musicians and singers. We have great people up here. I'm just saying, he has not brought us, if any of them gets sick, we're done. We have no replacements. So, you know, we have really good, uh, a good team up here, but if they all go, we're in trouble. Uh, So we don't have a backup plan. Uh, if, if God, uh, if we needed an artist, we, we have a few here uh, who are artistic, and we've, uh, we ask them to help us sometimes with displays and things. Uh, if, if we wanted to have somebody who knows how to build, we have a couple of builders here that are very effective and very good, and we can go to them. If, if we need a plumber, we have a couple of plumbers here. My point is that what we have primarily which we are in overabundance of, is leadership. I don't know why, but we could take all of our guys here. We have many men and women here who are great leaders. And we could take you and cut you into fourths and send you to different churches, and you would be as effective and wonderful, and we would still exist. 
But we can't do that with anything else. So we have great leadership in our church. I don't know why God has done that, but I hope that we learn how to tap into that and learn to use that as a resource that God has blessed us with. But that has also been a resource that's kept us on track. What I want to say is that when you send your kids into the, uh, the, the archive hallway back here where they have classes and they have teachers. This morning I was in a class. I didn't mean to, but they came and grabbed me. I was in the hallway. And they pulled me in, and they wanted me to hear their kids sing. And it was wonderful. And I was honored that they would ask me to come in there. I haven't told them that, but it's true. I was just thrilled to do that. And to hear our kids sing in that class. But I'll tell you what was reflective to me as I walked out was the leadership in that class. It was those who care for your kids, who love them, who feed them spiritually, who are nurturing them and raising them up to not brainwash their kids, but challenge them with what we know is true and give them that truth, especially when they, we know, leaders know, teachers know, that when they aren't here on Sunday and they go back into their world on Monday, grade school on up, they are challenged with things that nobody should ever be challenged with. So we have that you know, little tiny shot of time and our people, our leaders, our teachers deeply care about that with your kids. Aren't you glad? <laughs> if you hand your kids off in one of our classes, I guarantee you they're in good hands for at least an hour. Isn't that great? And so the rest of you filter off into other places. You come in here, you have a class here, you have a class there, we have church. And we hope that uh, through all of these means that leadership in our church has a positive impact in your life, not a domineering effect over your life, right? So as Paul's writing this, there's a concern. There's two issues that this church has that I think a lot of churches have. The two issues are, and, and that's why he's addressing this. He's talking about those who labor, those who lead, and those who instruct and he's you know, asking this church, he's basically challenging this church to esteem them, to recognize them and esteem them. And, and, and the two issues that happen are this. Either you're in a church that is fearful of the leadership that is there, that they're fearful to follow or to listen to or to yield to leadership. That's an issue. The second issue is that there are those leaders who have domineered themselves over or have abused congregations and so they cause congregations to then not want to follow that leadership or they are following and they're following somebody who who was never called to lead in the first place. These are the two issues. And so it is a huge concern when Paul brings this up to a church thinking that they're living in the last days. We're living at the edge of time. I believe that with all my heart. And as a result of that, what we're seeing is the decay and corruption of churches all across the country. And it's not so much the church itself as it is the leadership. Are you hearing me? And so this is a huge issue and one that we want to guard as much as we can in this church. I'm on the edge of my own leadership. I I know that. And uh, I'm highly aware of that, as you know, uh, since I already tried to duck out once already. If you don't know that, I, I, I almost died in 2018. I should have died. I, my heart stopped three times, and they couldn't keep me down. I kept coming back. So 
Anyway, so here we are. But there's just something about when you read this that there's just this challenge that, okay, there's those who labor among you, and we need to recognize them. So I I just want to say, first of all, I want to just recognize the fact that it's not just paid pastors who should be recognized. You did that to me back in, when was that, October or something, and you did that. I Thank you. But that was so unnecessary. I know I'm loved here. That's not an issue, but I'm so thankful for that. But even more than that, I wish I could throw a party for every person who works in this place because you deserve it. And because not just because you did something, but because of who you are and how you do it. And so Paul's just saying that there should be a recognition of those who labor. So I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to challenge you with some things practical this morning. If you're a parent and you have kids in one of these classes back here, when's the last time you sent a card to their teacher and just expressed your gratitude for how they have handled your kids? Because that's huge. And I don't know if they've heard that from you or not, but you know the weekly in and out, in and out, and handoff, handoff, Uh, We're not a babysitting service. We are doing something we think is actually valuable spiritually for your kids. And these teachers prepare. Uh, You know, last, yesterday, we've had a busy week, and and yesterday, uh, uh, Marilyn was telling me her agenda for the day. There's all, uh, he had a long list, and I was on there there somewhere. I had a honeydew thing somewhere on that list. But, so I tried to accommodate that, but, uh, as the, as the day was going on, the list just felt like it never was diminishing. And so finally she said, I have to teach tomorrow. i got to get my lesson done. So I'm like, okay, then don't do the next three things in your list. Put that up instead. It's hard to do that sometimes. But she did. She was up long and late and got it done. And she's back there right now working. And we're thrilled about that. And she loves doing it, by the way. Point is, recognize those who labor among you. And it's talking about all the leaders in this church, not just a few. The second thing it says is this, and those who are over you in the Lord, it says. Now that's the word leadership. There are those who are leading. So we have those who are laboring among us and those who are leading. And he's saying recognize them. And so in this word leadership, again, he's He's identifying the fact that there is a need in the church for shepherds. And it's not just talking about a shepherd who, you know, we give a salary and he's, he's expected to go to the hospitals and expected to do funerals and weddings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that goes with that part of it. But we're talking about every person in this church body who leads someone else. It's not just me. And I'm so thankful because I don't know how to do a lot of things, but a lot of you do. So you're all involved in this. So there are many shepherds in here. And by the way, some of you ladies, you're as much a shepherd as any of the rest of us. Some of you don't even have a husband. You're shepherding your family. You're the leader of your home. And God's called you to do that when he meant for someone else to help you do that. But if that's not the case, then you have to pick the mantle up and do that. Some of you as teachers, you're... You don't have a guy teaching in your class, so you're going to be the one teaching little boys and girls. And guess what? You're their shepherd. And they listen to you, and they, they learn to trust you, and they're, they hang on to what you say. And sometimes you, th- you think they don't hear you, but they do eventually. And so there's, that, that's critically important. Uh, and the little phrase I want to key on here is that little phrase, in the Lord. It says, they are over you in the Lord. That little phrase, 
is critically important in this text because that's the phrase that's telling us that nobody self-appoints themselves to leadership. And that's an important thing to understand. Uh, if, if, uh, if somebody self-appoints themselves, somebody just sort of takes over, somebody assumes leadership that wasn't given to them or wasn't, uh, they weren't invited to lead, that's a concern. And Paul wants to make sure that these folks know that there are those who are over you, but they're over you in the Lord. In other words, God appointed them before you did. Uh, and when I talk about this, I'm not talking just about me. I know I'm here only because God stuck me here, because if you know the whole story, I would never have chosen to come here. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to tell you. It wasn't in my mind to come here. I was somewhere else. I was in Kentucky. I just had gone there. I was just planting my roots there. And then something comes up, and some folks from here could give me a call and say, we need some help with something. I come to visit. That's all and enjoy visiting, and I go back to my life, and I think that that's fine. And then I get another call. Can you come back? And so you come back and visit again, and then can, can you stay? And, and that, that's an invitation, but that doesn't mean that I should be here as a pastor. It means that I'm only here because God is doing something through that, and you're exploring what that means. And then you find out, I need to be here. And it's not me doing this and making this happen. It's God opening a door. And then God confirms it as you are asking for his help as you're here and working through the process and figuring out why you're here and what's going on. And that's an affirming thing. Now, I'm saying that that is not just true for me. It's true for every person who I would call a leader in our church. We have uh, deacons and elders in our church. Uh, We have the wives of deacons and elders. Uh, who are all, in, in, a, in one way or another, called to leadership through the Word of God. Uh, we have uh, uh, others who are serving some life group leaders in our church. As you heard the word life group mentioned several times, so we have life group leaders. They're not necessarily deacons or elders. We have, uh, uh, we have others who are uh, leadership in various ways. Do, do you know that we have a tech team up there? There's one, two, three, four. There's five up there looking at me right now. They know more than I do. So I'm not going to walk up there and tell them how to do it. Sometimes I want to, (laughs) but I'm not going to do that. But they're up there doing something, and they have an expertise. And as they serve in that capacity, and they tell us how it should be, what they're doing is enhancing our ministry so it's more relative to the world outside of here, even with you. They want you to hear what's going on, be comfortable with it, not too loud, not too soft, you know, all that nice stuff. So they're up there doing that. Uh, we have some professionals in our church that are sort of under the table. They're here. They're not domineering in any way, but, that, but if you need something or you need to know something and know how to do something, uh, we'll go to them and they'll help us understand how to work through an issue. And that's what they do. We have some folks who are specialists in certain areas, uh, some who've had certain degrees, or maybe they, or they have years of service in a certain area, and they just they know better than anyone else how to do a certain task, and so we go to them. There's all kinds of leaders in our church for various reasons. So when Paul's talking about, he's saying, recognize them who labor, recognize those who are leading uh, in the Lord. That, and my point is that all these folks who are here, uh, they have no say here if they're not in the Lord. If you're uh, 
if you're a leader and you're not walking in the Lord, if you haven't been called to lead, if you don't feel that you're in the right place doing the right thing because God has spoken to you about doing it, you should not be in that position. Okay, so we take that kind of serious. Because Paul is. Then Paul says, recognize those who not only labor, who are leading you, but also those who admonish you. That word admonish sounds strong, but it means instruction. And recognize them. Uh, I've always said that I probably would not be standing here today if it wasn't for certain men in my young life who instructed me when I was not looking for instruction and I didn't want it. Okay. And I, Bob Wall is in heaven. You don't know who he is. He was not a recognized leader in our church. He was not a deacon. He was not in any authoritative position. He did teach once on a blue moon. But Bob Wall walks up to me, puts his finger in my face, and basically tells me I'm a spoiled brat, and basically instructs me that I need to learn how to listen when I'm in church. Because he'd been watching me in the back of the church, doing my own thing, talking to everybody else around me, writing notes, passing notes. Uh, you know, uh, He just saw me being what I should never have been. And he thought, I'm not going to let that kid go without confronting him. And he was very kind. He was not you know, yelling at me. He just sought me out. And I, I was like, uh, hey, big guy, uh, I don't have to listen to you. You're not, you're not a leader in our church. You're not, I'm thinking that. And Bob Wall, in his graciousness, just said, you need to listen. You need to look at people when they speak, look them in the eye, and you need to be uh, honoring those who are over you, who are teaching you and instructing you, because what they're doing is building your life up, not down. And by not listening, you're allowing your life to be nothing but down all the time. You're going to leave this church one day, and you're not going to turn into a man that God is approved of by not listening. And he was right. He was right on. I went to him years later. And he was, you know, quite old. And I went to him, and I'm in my mid-30s. And I walked up to Bob. I said, thank you, Bob. I shook his hand and said, do you remember when? And he didn't remember. And I said, you scolded me kind of in a loving way. And I told him what he said. And he just nodded his head and said, well, that's true. I said, yes, it is. It's very true. Thank you, brother. Thank you for doing that. He was just one. I had many, believe me. Uh, so I'm just saying, you know, that's, that's important. And so sometimes in the church, leadership isn't always just about a position in a classroom. It's about who you are, how you carry yourself and what you believe and how you are faithful to that belief so that you have the uh, right uh, to talk to someone else and encourage them, build them up, maybe even admonish someone else in their faith if need be. And there are young men and young women in our church who sometimes need that, desperately. They might not say amen today, but they do need it. Okay. He says to recognize. Then the second thing he says is to esteem them. Esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. And then he says, be at peace among yourselves. Now, uh, to esteem uh, uh, those who are laboring, those who are leading, those who are are instructing, uh, can come in many different forms. And there is a problem, as I started out this this message this morning, there's a problem with this because there's 
an attack on those who lead. And there's an issue with, are you following somebody who should be in leadership? And that's an issue. So I want you to hear what Paul has said about that uh, in his word. And I want you to start, I want to go back to Acts 20, first of all, because he's warning Christians in Acts 20 about uh, those who will be leading in their church. This is always shaking me to the core when I've read this. Now, he's, he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian leaders. Paul's on his way to Jerusalem. So he's having this sort of final meeting with those who are leading. Those, he's put in place most of these leaders himself. And so he's reminding them now as he's on his way uh, to Jerusalem. He says in verse 28, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. Among, the Holy, uh, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church. So he's saying to those leaders, be sure you're shepherding the church uh, of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, verse 29, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And here's the verse that really shakes me up, verse 30. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. It's one thing to say uh, someone's going to come in from outside of this church and they're going to come in kind of like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Beware. But it's another thing when he says someone's going to come from within you, from among you, and they're going to rise up and they're going to take you down a trail you don't want to go down. And, and that's why I've always said in our church that how cautiously careful we need to be as, as a congregation that those who are leading, those who are, uh, we entrust our kids to or entrust our families to, uh, those who are uh, standing here and maybe speaking here or in another classroom, that we fully know who they are in their spirit and that we affirm them as leaders in the spirit as the Holy Spirit affirms that in our own hearts, we affirm that and the congregation as a whole affirms their leadership because we believe they're called by God. Do you hear me? So my concern has always been that once I'm off the scene or somebody else is off the scene, that Alpine Bible Church will have a, an ability to zero in on uh, what the Holy Spirit is confirming about somebody. If you had somebody in to speak and you were, uh, you know, they, they might be candidating for a position here, you would be listening. And all you have exposure to them is one, one shot up front maybe as they speak or, and then committees meet with these people. And I'm just saying that there has to be, that as a congregation, that you are praying uh, before the Lord for discernment and to understand from the Spirit if someone is a right fit for this leadership here. Elders, deacons, congregation, it has to be that way. I've always said, I don't believe that the uh, standards for leadership are just for pastors or just for deacons. I know First Timothy 3 gives standards for uh, elders, bishops, elders, and for deacons. I understand that. But it also includes wives in that text. And also, uh, I believe it's way more uh, far-reaching than that. I think that's just the standard that everybody should be following. 
And how I know that is what Paul wrote in Ephesians 4. I'm going to read this to you, to us this morning. Paul talks about the fact that God appoints leadership. So uh, he says in uh, Ephesians 4, verse 7, But to each one of us, to every believer, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So every person is receiving grace from God in some way, every Christian. Then he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. In other words, when Jesus went to heaven, when he, when he rose from the dead and went to heaven, uh, it says he led those who were captivity, those who were held captive, those who were in sin, he led them out uh, into his own captivity. In other words, he now is the master of my life. He's the owner of my soul. So he led me out of the bondage of sinful captivity and has led me in to be his captive. And I truly yield myself to him for that. I'm thankful for that. And then it says, and he gave gifts to men. What's the first gift he gave to all of us? The Holy Spirit. He gave us all the Holy Spirit. So that makes us uniquely his, right? The Spirit of God living in you. Now it says in verse 11 that he himself, that is Christ, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And I could add to that list. It's not, a, a, it's not an exclusive list. It's an example list of leadership in the church. Why, why did he give leaders to the church? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and verse 13 is the key. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God gave leadership into the body of Christ so that everyone would become the same. He's called us to be like him. So when we talk about uh, criteria for leadership here, any person in this church should meet that criteria. That's my philosophy. Any Christian here should be loving Christ, wanting to follow him, wanting to obey him. That's not rocket science, right? That's what he's called us to do. He's given some leadership to guide us to that point, but he's expecting you to grow to a point where you're just as ready and willing and prepared to serve as anybody else. That's what he wants. And so uh, we take that serious in our church. So when I'm reading about uh, recognizing those who lead and esteeming those who lead, I don't see why I shouldn't be able to esteem anyone in this building who says they love Jesus uh, for what they are doing for him. Now, if you're not doing anything for him and you're guilty about that today, if that's, if that's on your conscience, then you have to figure that out. Where can you serve Christ? Because he's looking for those who would say yes to him and get busy in the body of Christ because he's designed and equipped all of us to do something for him. You might be a mechanic. Uh, you know what? We, we, we actually have a lift over here, or, or we have a lift here. So we can work on vehicles here if we really wanted to. It's just that we don't have too many guys that want to work on it or don't know how to do that. I don't know. But we have access to that. Uh, I'm, my point is simply that we have many avenues of leadership that can happen here. And all kinds of people need help here in so many different ways. Okay, so uh, that, that's the point of that. So I just wanted to declare that today. And then when he says esteem them, again, he's, he's just reminding us that this is so critically important. Uh, one of the things that I want to just finish as I wrap this up is simply this, that there is uh, this concern about those who are not leading well, those who are uh, just uh, 
giving a, the church a bad image and, and giving leadership a bad image, and that's happening more and more and more. And so uh, in this text, when he says esteem these leaders, esteem those very highly in love for their work's sake, and then he says be at peace among yourselves. He's just saying make sure that our egos don't get in the way of our leadership. We've got to make sure that we are uh, understanding that our leadership is called servant leadership for a reason. We are servant leaders in this church to one another. And so uh, my challenge is that. Now, if you're a younger person today, this may not mean a whole lot to you right now, but as you look and observe the church, I hope you can look at this place from a distance and say, this place seems to have a lot of folks who care about my soul. This place seems to have a lot of folks who care about my family. This place uh, seems to care as they meet the needs and they ask what our needs are and they're trying to meet those needs and that's the kind of church they are. We had a phone call, uh, not a phone call, we had a, an issue that came up and I'm just going to say it because it, it just irritated me a bit and I want to clear it up. We had somebody uh, and through a chain of comments say that we weren't helping a certain couple in our church and I heard this and I just... I just started grinding on that. And I thought, you know, I I am guilty sometimes of not following with certain people. Uh, It it can be for a volume of reasons. And whatever reasons I give before God, they probably won't be very good ones. But it's never intentional. And so uh, with this particular issue, I I was just listening and thinking and processing this. Like, no, that was not said. No, that didn't happen. Uh, that's not possible because if we had known this, we would have done this, and I'm just processing it all. And as I'm listening to that, I'm realizing that that's what happens sometimes. Uh, Conversations can get careless, or it can be skewed by our our lenses, our our looking through the wrong truth. And so uh, I just want to remind us as we think about this that we're called to unity all through the Word of God, all through Paul's epistles, and uh, we're called to unity, and leadership is simply not to disunify or not to pull or polarize people from one side to the next, but we are to all work together that God is glorified, this church is glorified, but Jesus the most is glorified by what we do. And uh, I'm trusting that we will all understand that so that uh, when we go through life, uh, we will keep these things in mind. I'm going to highlight very quickly the call to uh, pastoral leadership uh, tells us that a husband should be of one wife and one wife only. Uh, it talks about uh, uh, a husband who doesn't drink wine, uh, is not violent, is not greedy for money, uh, gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Uh, it's talking about a person who has to rule his house in a proper way, not a novice, can't be a new believer leading people uh, so that he doesn't fall into pride. Uh, And then it goes on and says one more. Moreover, this person must have a good testimony among those who are outside the church. Because it's the ones outside who are going to say, who's who's leading the church? Oh, I know know that person. And then there's going to be like 30 stories that are going to pop up. They're going to diminish the leadership. So that's, that's the section for pastors. Then you have a section for deacons. Likewise, deacons. As soon as he says likewise, that means we're really in the same category. Uh, be reverent, not double-tongued, don't, not given to much wine. Aren't you glad about that? Uh, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. He needs to be tested. Uh, likewise, likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers or gossipers, not temperate, 
Uh, they need to be temperate. They need to be faithful in all things. Let the deacons be husbands of one wife. These things are very clear. Uh, and then the last thing he says is, for all of us, he says in verse 15 of that text, I'm in 1 Timothy 3, verse 15 says, But if I am delayed, I write that you also may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So leadership in a church is critical. Paul brought it up to a church worrying about the end times, and he wanted them to know uh, this is a huge issue because there are those who might come in and steal away the truth, might twist the truth, uh, be on guard against that, those from out, those are from inside. Uh, so that's why we're careful that we teach the same thing, that we're careful about the doctors we teach, that we're careful about how we instruct the body of Christ, that we're concerned about what's being taught in the back as much as we are what's being taught on the pulpit, uh, so that everyone is consistent in our church teaching the same thing, so that disciples of Christ in this place will all know the same truth, live by the same truth, and believe in that truth, and teach that truth themselves. And that's why you can trust your kids to somebody in a classroom in this place. Because I know that's what's happening. Aren't you glad for that? Yeah. We are a unique church. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And then, you know, and then, of course, you all have to go sign with the police to say you're a good person. You, know, you have to do that. I mean, we, we got it covered. You know, God's already approved of you, and now the police approve of you, and so you can hand your kids over to somebody to trust them. And if they uh, say the wrong things, we will go after them in a, in a heartbeat. Because we love your families, we love you, and we want you to love Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, you just had demonstrated to you this morning how wonderful it is to know him. And what a difference he makes in our life. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask for those who are, others who are joining the church this morning to come up and join me. Uh, Lord, as we uh, just uh, take your word in today, help us to realize again the blessing uh, that you have called this church here uh, to a church that is, understands what leadership is. We're all servant leadership together. We all uh, want the best and we all follow you. Uh, it's not about position. It's not about power. It's, it's, it's about your proclamation of truth your work of truth in our lives, and we're gracious in our hearts for what you've done for us, and we want the same for everyone else. Thank you for the spirit of that in our church. Then I ask that you would just bless each of us as we go today with your presence in our hearts. If someone does not know you, may you call them to yourself, Lord, in the gentle way that we even heard today in testimonies. No one can escape your voice if you're calling. And may you just chase after people to bring them to you. Give us as Christians the courage and boldness to speak our faith. And we ask your blessing over this place in the days ahead. Thank you for all who are baptized. May they walk in that newness of life now uh, in the days ahead. And when they're tested, may their faith be strong. We give you all the praise and glory for what you've done and what you've done.